He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy and jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he yeah, is. He's, he's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at look at this. Brett is out. And he's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Tim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> way, way too much potter. Phillies took a 2-1 series lead over the San Diego Padres as Citizens Bank Park was rocking early with Kyle Schwarber launching a solo home run in the bottom of the first inning. And you know, the first time that the Philly fans have seen a playoff game in a while. You know, obviously the first two games of the series were in San Diego and now two more in Philly after the after last night and then if it gets to it, game six and seven in, in San Diego. And we all knew this was gonna be a tight series. Tied at one at after the first two. They split the first two in San Diego. And now I would not be surprised if San Diego takes the one on Saturday night and gives them back up at two. Because this series we knew from the start was gonna be close with the way these teams are, the way they just they both have really good pitching, they both really hit the ball well, and it's just kind of trading punches. Even though it's not it's not the battle of heavyweights. They're not two heavyweight teams. They're both just playing outstanding baseball right now. And, you know, you couldn't make the argument that the Phillies kind of, like, are really a heavyweight. They just, they had all the pieces there. They had the top two starters. They had, you know, a really good lineup with Harper and Schwarber and Castellanos. Castellanos and Schwarber, the two pieces they added in the offseason for that lineup. And, you know, they could have made the argument that they would have had the chance to win the National League East if they'd been healthy. But they didn't even have Harper the whole season. They literally, he was injured for a while. Without him, they really struggled. They had really a lot of struggles during the season. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, they fired, fired Joe Girardi, and then, but then Rob Thompson stepped right in as the interim manager at the time, and they just took off. They really just took off. And Harper, having Harper back, obviously, at the end of the year was really important for them to just get to the playoffs. And now he's showing, he's putting up big numbers now in the postseason as well. Right now, currently hitting 400, so he's definitely been hitting the ball well. Guy, other guys are also performing. You know, even Jeet Segura at the bottom of the lineup hitting 286 in the postseason. And with a decent 712 OPS, at, you know, bottom of the lineup type of guy, that's not bad at all. And we got, you know, Hoskins doing some things. And, you know, it's not the bat flip. Bat spike is really, a, a you know, it's starting to be a Phillies thing because the other day... Hoskins hit a home run and he bat spiked and now Segura ended up hitting a go-ahead RBI single in the fourth inning two-run single off Joe Musgrove and after that he bats he bat spiked so it seems like that's a Phillies thing they're starting that new celebration and it's really electric it's awesome it's awesome to see it's type, those type of things those type of celebrations you're allowed to be happy about something and you're allowed to celebrate as long as you're not showburning too much as long as you're not throwing it, shoving it in the face of the opponent. Like, if you're just doing it on your own and, you know, not looking at the guy and saying, oh, you're my father, you're, I mean, you're, you're my son. Like, that's a little bit too far. It went, I'm going to be honest, though, it was pretty funny when, when that happened with the Josh Naylor saying it's like, I mean, obviously he did it before, too. He wasn't just the first time. He wasn't just show burning. He just, he does that every time he's home run to any pitcher. He calls them his son. But it's also funny that the fact that the Yankees were able to get, have the last laugh because, you know, they won, ended up winning the series. Gleyber Torres ends up rocking the baby rocking the baby there, and that's what happens, though. Well, you got to be able to back it up. It wasn't like, I understand, like, that he did it all year. He's done it before, but, like, I that moment is not the moment to get all excited, get all whatever, get all emotional like he did, and really seemingly, like, kind of rubbing it in. Because it wasn't even to tie the game. It wasn't to take the lead. It was literally made the game 3-2, to two, I believe. So it's like, you heard Cole was shoving. That was the only really the only damage he gave up. And Yankees ended up winning that game, tying the series, and then sending it to a Game 5 at Yankee Stadium. And then, you know, what happened there? The Yankees ended up taking the series. So then going on to Houston, just to wrap up the Phillies side of things here, the Phillies and Padres. Yeah, I just love that whole thing. The electricity of... 
Citizens Bank Park. You know, Philly fans are insane, they're wild, they're crazy, but it's also awesome at the same time because they're going to show all their emotions out right out there like and it's they're giving all the energy they can, possibly can to this team they want to see them win they haven't seen a world series championship since 2008 they haven't seen this team in the playoffs since 2010 or wait no they haven't seen them in the playoffs since i think it was 2012 actually but 2010 was the last time they went to the nlcs so it's been a while since that happened and it's just a lot of energy you know, obviously Philly is a kind of an underdog town. You know, the Philadelphia Eagles, who I'm, who's who I am a fan of, they in 2017 that season they were all they were that was such an underdog story. Obviously, the whole thing with wearing the the dog masks there at the at, in the playoffs and in the at the end of the season they were just everybody was a lot of guys were getting hurt. There was a lot of they lost a lot of guys to injury that year. They have obviously the big one, Carson Wentz, the quarterback at the time, and. Nick Foles, Big Dick Nick, stepping in and just ended up putting up, you know, unbelievable playoff numbers, especially in a Super Bowl to beat Tom Brady. And I, that was that was obviously the Eagles' first Super Bowl. So it's been a little Philly fans know what it's like to wait a long time for something. And when, once they get it, like, they will wild. I know personally. But... Yeah, like just that whole thing with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl when they were underdogs. Now the Phillies were, nobody counted on them to even make the playoffs. Nobody, everybody counted them out. Once they got to the playoffs, they were like the lowest rated team on the and everybody's power rankings. Nobody expected them to make it this far. Well, except Johnny because he picked them for the Super or for the World Series. But I also, I also believe in them now too because I I knew they had a chance. I knew they had the pieces there to make a run. I know their offense is so deep. Once they once they got healthy, like they could beat anybody, and they look and they're proving it here. They're proving it. They can be hit to the NLCS. They're now they now have the lead against the Padres, who you know they the Padres were the team that caught by the 111 win LA Dodgers, and now Phillies have the upper hand. They have the lead. They have two more games at home. They could easily I could easily see them closing this out in five games, winning at home. And Philadelphia going absolutely bonkers and going to the World Series because I just think they had something special going on. I think they could easily win these next two games. Now, obviously, because now obviously the Padres won't be going. They they go to their kind of not their top arms. Obviously, the Phillies don't either. But right now, I would trust the Philly. I would trust the pitching depth over the Padres at this moment in time. I think the Phillies have the upper hand. Obviously, they have the series lead, but even beyond that, I think they have a chance to win these next two games and close the series out in five. Now, I don't think that will happen. I think there's a chance it will happen, but I don't think it's going to... My gut says it won't. I think it's still going to go at least six. I think the Padres steal one of these games, but then the Phillies take... A, maybe we'll just say for... For the, hell, for the hell of it, say the Padres take the next game and tie the series up at two apiece, and then I think that I think after that the Phillies would be able to win the next two and close it out in San Diego. But it, it would not be surprising at all to see the Phillies just Phillies sweep at home and take the series in five. I would not be shocked at all. I would not be shocked at all if they did that. That would that's uh, definitely possible. So, you know, it's an off day. They don't have any off days. I mean, uh, it was an off day for the Astros Yankees series on Friday night. But now here today, Saturday, it's gonna be clever. It's gonna be Clevenger on the hill for the Padres and going off, going up against Bailey Falter, who's there. They're both full. There are fourth starters for both teams, and Clevenger, he's, I, I don't know how much I really trust him. He didn't go, he hasn't gone his last start of the regular season. He did go six games, six innings against the White Sox. That was, what was that, October 1st, yeah, so. But then his first start of the playoffs against the Dodgers, he got blown up. Only lasted two and two-third innings, and gave up five runs, four of them earned, six on six hits, two walks. Gave up a home run, struck out three. So he's a guy... Who can easily, you know, struggle and just give up a lot of contact, a lot of hard contact, and not strike out too many guys. So when you're facing a team like the Phillies, who just have been, you know, hitting the ball all over the field, all over the place, mashing home runs out and playing winning baseball, they and even guys like Gene Segura are not even not hitting the ball hard, just you know going the other way, kind of a Derek Jeter type of an approach, hitting the ball the other way and on the outside, even like having an inside the outside. Inside out swing, just 
putting the ball in play any way you can um, to get the run in like he did it and get the, he got two runs in that single that I was talking about before. I understand everybody talks about how home runs win in October. Yes, that's true. 75% or so of, of teams that hit more home runs turn out to win more, like win, turn out to win the series and end up, you know, the Braves were the team that had the most home runs last year and won the World Series, the most home runs in the postseason. And I get it. I know that they do. But you need more, you need balance as well. You can't just go up there every at bat expecting to hit home run, trying to hit home run, and especially on two strikes. You can't be having a uppercut swing on two strikes. You need to be able to put the bat on the ball. You know, just put the bat on the ball. If it's over the plate, put the bat on the ball. Find a way to make contact. Find a way to you know, foul it away. Don't just go up there and like with a big, a huge hack, and expect and try to hit a home run. You're not gonna you know those a lot more often than not. It's, you know, how hard it is to hit home runs. No more often than not, you're going to pop up, you're going to fly out, you're going to hit a fly ball that it should go out, but it's going to miss by a mere five feet or less, but it it happens. You know, your approach, should, I mean, obviously you need to try to hit home runs a lot because home runs win, but also you need to get guys on base. You need guys, you need balance. I'm not saying you need a balanced approach as far as home run hitters. Obviously, home run hitters more often than not are going to be going up there to hit home runs. That's what they're there for, but you need to be able to get guys on base. Like You need a balanced lineup more than not, uh, anything. You need guys like Gene Segura, like I said, that put the ball in the play and just, you know, situational hitting, you know, hit, hitting the ball to if the guy's on second, hitting the ball to second to move the move that runner to third. Or, say, if the infield's not in, hitting the ball in anywhere in the infield or hitting the ball through a hole. Like, if those shifted, hit the ball the fucking other way. How, like, I know, I can't say, oh, it's so easy. It's so easy to just change your... It's not. I know hitting's not easy. Baseball's the hardest sport in the world. They're throwing 100 miles an hour or more. They have extremely tough movement and all that stuff. When they're sh- Well, we're not going to have the shift next year. The shift is going to go away, obviously. like That's one of the major changes next year. The shift is going to go away. We'll see what happens with these hitters that have that approach. But during all this time when they've had shifts, then you can literally bunt down the third baseline and you get a guy on base. You need to get guys on base. Not, I mean, I'm not saying for guys like Anthony Rizzo that have power that he's going to want to go and hit the home runs. Like, that's the guy that the Yankees need to hit home runs because you need guys like Judge and Stanton and, and Rizzo to go up there and hit home runs, get more runs on the board because you don't know. Even if you get on base, you don't know if it's going to end up turning into a run because you don't know the guys behind them. You you could strike out. But I, what I'm saying, though, the many amount of times the Yankees struck out, the Yankees struck out 30 fucking times in the first two games of that series. That's why they went down 2-0. They struck out. I mean, you have to give credit to the Astros pitching staff because the Astros pitching staff is just dominant. They've been dominating so much. But the Astros hitters, they don't strike out. They're the Yankees. What do what the Yankees are supposed to be? Those that's what the Yankees need to do more of is not strike out, hit home runs. The Astros have power; they hit home runs. They hit more home runs than the Yankees, and they win. But the, like the only, but it's not the only reason. Not hitting hitting home runs isn't the only reason. They also don't strike out much. They put the ball in play when they need to. And, you know they don't strike out thirty times. The Yankees struck out seventeen times in the first game. The Astros struck out twice. It was a fifteen strikeout differential, and that's the highest ever in any playoff game. So that's the difference. That is the difference right there. And you know obviously hitting home runs is a major part of it, but you also need to not strike out. You can't strike out 30 fucking times and expect to win. You do. You can expect to win, obviously, if you strike out 30. If you strike out the other team 30 times, and also hit home runs, because that's winning baseball. That's what winning baseball is all about. Not striking out, striking the other team out, and hitting home runs. So I just something about the Astros is just you know they they're balanced. They don't strike out. They hit home runs. They have good pitching. They have good fielding. They do everything so well. They have a good. They have a great manager, a tenured manager, a guy that's been in this situation before. That's why the Astros are just such a tough team to beat. It's such a tough team to beat. You can't. There's something about the Yankees. They need to. I feel like some of the guys, if they had, if they had DJ Wilmahew healthy, they had Adrian Mediten healthy. One of those two guys would have let off. 
Instead of starting the series, they had Glaber Torres leading off, and then they changed him to Bader in the second game. Those guys aren't really leadoff hitters. They're more—they're not on-base percentage guys. They're more kind of slugging type of guys who's, who you know should be batting fifth or sixth somewhere in there. And you know you got guys like DJ Lemayhew and Andrew Benintendi who are more contact guys who set the table. Those guys need to be able to be there and set the table. That's why the Yankees have struggled so much this this series, this postseason, because I know the Astros don't have a hit either. They haven't hit for average either, but they're making contact. They're at least hitting the ball, and, you know, that leads to home runs. You can't hit a home run if you don't make contact. You need to make contact to hit home runs. That's obviously how it works. So going up there, and, like, I I know it's one guy, but Josh Donaldson, are you fucking serious, dude? He goes up there and looks at three pitches right down the middle of the goddamn zone, he can't hit an off-speed pitch. Even if he, even if he was like the Astros in 2017 and knew what pitch was coming, heard it bang on the trash can twice for an off-speed pitch or whatever the hell they did for that. But if he knew what was coming and he knew a curveball was coming, that he would not be able to hit it because he his ones like there was one at bat where he just looked at him straight. All three pitches in a row were right down the center of the plate, maybe a little bit down, a little bit in or whatever, but they were pretty much right over the goddamn plate, and he couldn't do a goddamn thing with it. He looked at all three of them, and the next at bat, there was probably times he swung at one way out, way out of the, so he's really like $25 million a year, and the other thing is, when is Brian Casper going <laughs> to, when is he going to admit that he's wrong? Like, I get it. I know. Brian Cashman has made great moves before. He's made really great trades. Wandy Peralta, for instance, he has turned into a dominant reliever for the Yankees here, especially in the postseason now. He's basically been the the closer in between him and Holmes. They're kind of switching back and forth between the two. But they traded Mike Talkman for him. Mike Talkman's nowhere to be found right now. He's uh, thinking, uh, I can't think of where he is. But he's not he's not even in this country. He's playing baseball somewhere else, I think, or maybe not even playing baseball at all. But that's who they traded for to get Wani Peralta, who's been one of the Yankees' best relievers. So I know he did that move. Obviously, the trade to get Harrison Bader that has paid off big time. He's hit four home run, he hit four home runs. It's the first six games of the postseason, the first player to ever do that of his first six postseason games. And at the time. I didn't like the trade. A lot of people didn't like the trade when it happened. I was like, what the fuck are we trading? A One of our more, I don't want to say maybe more reliable, but more important guys that we, more more, more important pitchers that we need. No, we don't, we need to have, keep more pitchers. Especially they traded all their, a lot of their depth to get Frankie Montas, Scott for us, and all that. They try, they traded a lot of the depth for, you know, arms that didn't work end up working out too well because Montas obviously got injured and it hasn't worked out well. Efros obviously did work out for a while and they traded Hayden Wesneski for him and he's gonna looks like he's gonna be a great starter for the Cubs. But you know Efros does have control so I don't hate the trade obviously. I love I love the trade and Efros just had, needs to go into Tommy John surgery which really fucking sucks, especially if, not even just for this season, but for next season he's gonna be out for a whole year, so that sucks. I didn't like that. That's why I didn't like the trade because they traded a lot of depth. They traded a lot of the pitching depth even in the system to get to get an outfielder that was that was on the IL when they got him. I was like, why are we trading a pitcher that was like our fourth starter at the time for a an injured outfielder, an in, injured center fielder when we were playing Judge there a lot? And I was like, why we don't even really need a center fielder? And I was kind of. But it took me a minute. I was like, when I thought about it, I was like, all right, Judge isn't a real center fielder. You got Aaron Hicks, who was not playing well the whole year. And, you know, Judge needs to move back to a normal position of right field. Yeah, and then I thought about it more, and I was like, all right, this, I saw, I looked at clips of his defense. I saw, oh, God, this guy is a great defensive center fielder. He's amazing. And I just, I just didn't think he was going to provide offense. I was like, oh, well, he's going to be a great, he'll be a great, defensive center fielder we're gonna just get that you know be able to close games out because you have great defense at center you don't have to worry about that at all you know it's like having Mike Trout in center field but just defensively you don't need you know I can expect offense and now wow how that changed he didn't hit a home run in the in once he got back at the end of towards the end of the year for the to play for when he was healthy and he got he was off to a pretty good start hitting the ball but you know he didn't hit a home run yet. he didn't hit a home run the regular season and then he went off in the postseason hitting four home runs against the first six games 
and that's that that trade has extremely worked out. Cardinals are out of out of it, obviously. Montgomery started off so well for them, then kind of struggled down the stretch. It's just it was a great trade. It was a great trade that like maybe it'll end up benefiting for benefiting both sides. Well, Bader is a Bader isn't a free agent until after next year, I believe. Montgomery is not one for a while. I think they have control of him for a while, so it might it's if he pitches well, he that'll benefit them. But moving on, those two trades, those ones that come to mind. There's probably more that I can name, but those are two of the ones that have been worked out really well, especially this year. You know, Cashman can't admit a trade that's, that he screwed up on. He cannot admit that he screwed up on a trade. He does a lot of great trades. You know, he is cash god at times, but other times he's cash devil or cash dummy, cash idiot, like cashless. When he made that trade, it, you know, he, he made the trade. He traded Gary Sanchez, a defensive, you know, wasn't a great defensive catcher, pretty kind of a defensive liability at, at the point, at that point, but he did have the offense. He hit the, he did hit home runs. He hit home runs. He brought offense. He, they traded him. They traded Gio Urshela, who I always loved. I wish they would have kept him. I don't know why, like, I didn't get the trade at the time. And now, after a whole season has gone by, and we're now two games into the ALCS, seeing what, you know, trading those two for Josh Donaldson as Isaiah kind of leffer, and now seeing the results of that. I know maybe Gary Sanchez didn't have the best season in Minnesota. Giorcello didn't, I don't, he kind of had an average year or two, but it's like, you look at what happened this year with IK. I didn't really look too much into that. I didn't really look into the numbers that much of Gio and Gary, but when you see what IKF and, and you know, they said, when they did this trade, they said, IKF and Josh Donaldson, or not, not IKF, not both of them, IKF was supposed to be a stop-gap shortstop. They said that's why they weren't going to go out going out and sign Carlos Correa, because they were just going to look for a stop-gap before the kids come up. Then IKF played terrible defense the whole goddamn season. And they didn't want to admit that. They Boone always says, "Oh, he should. He's you know he's a great shortstop. He makes great plays. He makes some of the great. He does make some good plays. But then there's the easiest plays in the goddamn world that he boots. He throws. Makes horrible throws. He thinks Aaron Boone thinks that he should win. He should be up for a gold glove. Like what? In what world you say that he's a gold glove shortstop? He plays better defense at third. He did win a gold glove at third." But that was also a shortened 2020 season. His arm is noodles. You know, Clint fucking Frazier, which is, what's, is, that's not even his name now. He won a gold glove in 2022. Or not 2022, in 2020 also. I mean, his defense wasn't that good, really. Just because he, that, he only won a gold glove that year, I think, because he kind of bounced back from a horrible defensive years before, a couple years before that. You know, he was not, he was average or below average defensively in 2020 he wasn't I don't think he deserved to win I didn't look into the numbers for IKF but I I don't think he I mean he did play when the Yankees actually did put him at third this year which was I don't even like for one game he played well I know I I definitely think he played a lot better than he did at short he didn't make an error I don't think and he also can't hit the goddamn ball for shit he does make contact but he's he doesn't make contact enough or high doesn't make good enough contact often enough to even out the bad defensive play at shortstop. So let me get this straight. He was supposed to be a stopgap shortstop. And then once Oswald Peraza was ready, once they caught him up, they benched him for a goddamn month. Then they get into their playoffs. They don't even put him on the roster for the ALDS. Then the last two games of the series, once they realize, oh, IKF shouldn't be starting. He's having ter- He's having a terrible time. We saw this all year. Don't even try to fool us. Every Yankee fan in the goddamn world, with their eyes, saw IKF making errors all season. Making errors that weren't even called errors because apparently IKF paid off the official score. But he has a lot more errors than are on his stat sheet, so just want to get that clear. But then, when the game, when the season was on the line, when they were down in the series to Cleveland, then they realized, oh, shit. They put Oswald... Oswaldo Cabrera at short. They benched IKF for the final two games of the series. And then they win the series. Then in game one of the ALCS, guess what they fucking do? They will. First of all, 
they put they did output Oswald Peraza on the roster on for days, yes. But they did that, and what the fuck do they do? You 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 have to you know what they do. They put this guy who they benched with the season online, they put him back at short. Because what do you think what's a reset they can he's it's a new series where and you know Clearly, clearly the Yankees punted game one of that series. How do you fucking punt a, a postseason game, bro? I know, you're going up against Justin Verlander. You don't expect to beat him. You don't expect to beat him with your fourth starter on the mound, Jamison Tyone. But they had a goddamn chance to steal that one. And then, with the game tied at one, they put Clark Schmidt, who used to be a starter, who I... Him. I know that they ruined him. They have ruined so many fucking pitchers because they're trying to mess around with them and put them in the bullpen and put them in, like, just like what they did with David Garcia. The Yankees ruined David Garcia. They started him and then they opened, I used him as an opener. He was actually pitching well and they took him out to put Jay fucking Happ in. I would not get over that, but. And now David Garcia, he struggled so much the last couple of years. That was 2019 that he did that. He still hasn't gotten back to form. He got sent down to Double A this past year. He worked his way back up to Triple A. He's working on some things. He added a new pitch, but he's still not the David Garcia that we saw. The David Garcia that had so much potential. David Garcia that people called the next Pedro. But the next Pedro Martinez, that was David Garcia. That's what everybody called him. Everybody fucking called him that. Even David, I think even Pedro Martinez called him the next day. Like, he raved on him. He always loved him. But the Yankees decided to screw with him and do that. They, did this, like, they didn't do exactly the same with Clark, but they kind of did something similar. You know, they had him in the bullpen. He was pitching well. Like, he was a starter, but then they did put him in the bullpen. And he was pitching well, but then after, like, an appearance or two, they sent him back down to AAA to work on, to, like, work his way back to be a starter. And then, what? guess what happened? Michael King got hurt. They had to call him up, put him back in the bullpen, and expect him to be Michael King. Okay, he's not Michael King. I think he has potential. I like the guy. He has great stuff. But they literally had him in the bullpen, sent him back down to pitch to work back work his way back up to be a starter and then an injury happened and they put him back in the bullpen he was supposed to work his way back up to be a pit a starter and you know be a long guy but then you put him into a one one fuck you what what are you doing like he's supposed to be a long long man kind of not supposed to be in tight situations like that not one one game and you have a chance to steal uh, game one against the astros you started justin verlander and you put clark schmidt you know into the into the fire which I know he got out of the he the bases were loaded and he got out of it he got a, a double play great pitch but then you start the next inning with him you had Lou Trevino warming and ready and you started Clark Schmidt who got into trouble and then Lou Trevino comes in and gives up to you know so obviously like everyone knew that they shouldn't have put Clark Schmidt back in you know he calls couch GMs couch managers but we knew better than. Boone to put in, then to leave Clark Schmidt in, then to put in Lucharino. Like, come on, dude. It's, you have better guys available. Don't put in a guy that uh, in game three, you know, ended up not even having anything, having any control, and put throwing a pitch right down the middle of the plate and giving up. They walk off, walk off hit. Like, you have guys, back-to-back games, Wand, you had Wandy. You could have pitched him for another, I mean, they... He pitched five, all five games in the ALDS, but like they could have pitched him again. It wasn't like they pitched. He pitched five days in a row. They had all the thing with the scheduling, the rain out, and so he, I, he was resting up to come in. They could have pitched. Obviously, they p- should have done Lucharino, but then after that too, after that, after they gave up the lead or give the game is not tied anymore. It was three one. I think, yeah. So they, it was 3-1. Then they put in, like I mentioned before, Frankie Montas. They put in Frankie Montas, who hasn't pitched. In about two months, they put him in, and he, what did he do? Give up a home run. It's four to one. So that's the things. Like they, they literally punted game one of the series because oh, they didn't think they had the guys available. Like the, it's a fucking playoff game, bro. Every game matters. You don't, you don't play like you don't play, trying to plan for the next game. You plan, you play like you're trying to win that game. You play every game like it's a do or die game. It's not. You, you should be playing every game like it's a game seven. 
or a game five if it's the LDS. Not playing the game like, yo, it's all right if we lose this game, we can bounce back. It's just infuriating. It's so infuriating to see this. Like, it's not all Boone making decisions. I can tell you that much. But it's just so infuriating to see this guy day in, day out. Like, he's not making all the decisions. But in sure as hell not making the decision. Sure, you know what's not making the You know what's who's not making decisions? Analytics. What analytics say to start IKF the whole goddamn year, and then he makes errors, and then you start, then you bench him for do or die games, and then you don't, and then you put him back in the in the lineup for game one. Like game one's not as important as game five of an NODS, or game seven of the LCS, or game seven of the World Series. Like what is, how, what is that logic? It's the postseason. It's the fucking postseason. You don't punt, and you don't. You shouldn't even punt regular season games. Like I understand trying to rest guys and all this, but especially now, it's more. It's as important. You see this now. If the Yankees had not fallen off a goddamn cliff in August, <laughs> they they would have had the first seed in the AL. They would have been not home for the first two games. Maybe they would have been different. Maybe they would have stolen that game against JV. Maybe they would have stolen at least one. Maybe they would have been up three one right now. I mean, not three. Wait. I mean, they, they would be up 2-0 right now, or at least have the series tied and not go home being basically every game being do or die, because it should be do or die. You should act like it's do or die. Even if you're up 2-0, you should act, you should try to win that game as best you can, not fucking do Like, if they had, if if they had called up, like, Oswaldo Peraza was ready. I think he was ready at the end, of, by the end of August. They should have started him the whole month of September, the whole month of September, at least, and then get him ready and not throw him into a fire and all of a sudden start him in the ALCS when you should have been starting the whole time. You should have started in the ALDS. And now you want to do it? Now you want to admit that you're wrong? And now we don't even know if he's going to start in game four either. Or I mean, game three. I would not be, because Boone did not, he didn't want to commit to that. He didn't say, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if, if Peraza is going to start game three. <sighs> like, are you goddamn serious right now, bro? You saw what he did in game two. He played phenomenal defense at shortstop and made great plays. You know, he had a couple low throws, but you got to give it, like, he's got some nerves going on. IKF has started the whole year, and, you know, he's made plays that like that all year. It's nothing about nerves anymore. It's He's had the time. This guy, you didn't give Peraza any time to play shortstop. He should be the shortstop. He will be the shortstop that's starting shortstop next year. And if he's not, that's, I can't... I can't even imagine what I'm gonna do if he's not because you know you mess with this guy too much. You started IKF at short for no fucking reason, and then you all of a sudden decide, oh, let's do, let's let's put him on the roster now after we realize, oh, oh shit, we shouldn't have done. And then you start him in game one, and then you don't, you start, and then you're like, oh, game two, we're gonna put Fraser at short because we realize, oh shit, maybe we should put him here because you know he should be, he is a lot better than IKF. People like to say it's analytics, though, like I'm saying, but no one like say not to start Peraza. No analytics say to put Clark Schmidt in a 1-1 game in the middle innings. No analytics say to put Frankie Montas in after he hadn't pitched for two months in a game that you have to keep right where it is. So it's just, it's so infuriating. Josh Donaldson making $25 million a year to look at three pitches down the middle and then strike out with a ball like 75 feet outside the zone the next step at or some shit like that. But anyway, I'm going to done rant. I'm done ranting. I'm done trying to figure out what the hell this team is doing. They better figure it out. They better, you know, hit some balls. Um, that's what she said. That she be- They better wake up offensively, hit some balls out of the park. They're at Yankee Stadium. They have the short porch. You know, just like the Crawford boxes is kind of a short porch. The Yankees have right field that they can hit balls out, and they can get offense going. They have their their fans behind them. Um, as long they need to strike first, they need. There is if you do not strike first, if you let the Astros score in the first inning or something like that, you don't score in the first inning. The or if it ends up going five innings with no score, and then the Astros score. You're gonna take you're gonna take all the energy out of the ballpark. The, the especially being down 
you can that's you can't do that you cannot go down in this in this game you have to strike first and get some more energy into the stadium if you see this the fans start to lose hope and start to think oh shit what the fuck we go down 3-0 like if you start that starts happening this you know if, if i can't even imagine i cannot imagine if this team is anywhere near getting if they get close to getting swept or do get swept oh my god you saw the fans going wild after the yankees made it to the LCS, if this team gets swept at home, then if if this team gets swept at home and you live in New York, then get the fuck out of New York. Don't don't drive there. Don't park your car on the street because it's the city's gonna be burned to the fucking ground. This I I was thinking before, like like back in twenty seventeen, this same shit happened. They went down two oh. Then they rattled off three straight wins. They won all three games at home. You know, then some funny business, obviously, in Houston, the Astros ended up winning, but winning the series. But that aside, that was 2017. There were no expectations with this team. They were a young team, young and up-and-coming team. Aaron Judge was a rookie, won the rookie of the year. Cough, should have won MVP, was the deserving MVP. Even without the whole cheating shit, he was the MVP. Well, the overall, two way. But nonetheless, that was 2017. There were no expectations. They missed the playoffs the previous year. Yeah, they made the wild card in 2015, lost to the Astros that year too. Missed the playoffs again in 2016 after missing it in 2013 and 2014. There was no expectations going to 2017. They were the baby bombers. They were supposed to be rebuilding, but they made it to the LCS. They were one win away from the World Series. Then they fired Joe Girardi. They brought on Aaron Boone. This team has been there. They've 2018, obviously they had lost to the Red Sox, and the Red Sox made it to the World Series. 2019, they made it to the LCS, lost to the Astros. Astros lose to the Nationals. 2020, shortened season. I don't even fucking remember what happened. That was a shortened season. Oh, we, we lost the Rays. Oh, uh, yeah, and the ODS. But then, this year, or last year, lost in the wild card. So the Red Sox. And then this year, make to the ALCS again against the Astros. Have a chance for redemption. And, you know, it's not over. It is not over. I have hope that they're going to come back. But if they don't, if they get swept, or if they even just lose a series in five, then, like, there's there's been loads of frust- pent-up frustration with this team over the last several years, or the last, I guess, the last five years since 2017 happened. And since the whole cheating scandal came out, and we knew that we could have won that series if they weren't didn't cheat, because you see, you look at the difference between when we played at home and when we played in Houston that year. Just look at the difference of the stats, because that's just so much frustration with that. But then also the year since, not making, still not making it to the World Series. This team, this organization, always has aspirations to make the World Series. I mean, every team should, but most teams don't get it, even to get a chance, that great of a chance. They get, you know, kind of one and done type of things. And, you know, that shows you how hard it is. It's, hard, it's, it's not easy to win the World Series. It's the Yankees, the, there hasn't been a repeat winner since the Yankees in the three-peat. And uh, it's obviously hard to do that. But the Yankees are always there. They've always been a team that make pretty much makes the playoffs every year but now they're in they're literally in last since 2017 they've been in their peak years this team could have easily been they could they had the makings since that year they've had the makings of being building another dynasty and you don't build a dynasty unless you win multiple championships you cannot call you cannot call a team that makes that gets booted early every year or gets booted in the LCS every year they cannot even that because they've been booted out of the wild card. They got booted out of the wild card last year. That's not a dynasty. There's not. I mean, not even the Astros. You can call it the Astros a dynasty since they made it to you know six straight ALCSs. That's a dynasty, even though they haven't won more than just one fake World Series. But they've still had the chance. They've been to the LCS. They've been to the World Series since then. Just haven't won. 
but just all the pent up aggression from those last several years, the Yankees have all that you know they've had the team that could win it all, just haven't been able. Once they get to the playoffs, they just fall off a cliff. They can't hit water if they fall off a boat, just fall apart. So if this team again, they fall short again to the same team, the Astros, and they lose. I mean, especially, I mean, even if they lose it all, if they end up coming back three and they end up taking the lead in the series, winning all three games at home, come back three to two, and they or they lose game six, or they they end up they lose game three. I mean, they lose game six and then they lose game seven, just like 2017. That's still frustrating. That's still very frustrating. But if that if it's even worse than that, if they lose in four or five, if they if that happens, then like. I can't imagine what's gonna happen. I mean, I'm gonna be frustrated. I'm gonna be hella frustrated. Like losing, like the last, obviously the last two times they lost in Houston. Different, like they lost, well, in the wild card too. In in 2015, they lost in Houston, and that's a little bit easier to swallow. But if you lose the series at home in four or five games, that is just gonna let all that pen up aggression, all that frustration over the last few years of not making it not making the World Series since 2009 for a Yankees team that has such ex, such high expectations almost every year I mean they're only really real year they didn't have high expectations was 2017 you know other than the years that they didn't even make the playoffs like when they didn't make the playoffs in 2016 2015 or 2014 like they didn't have any expectations those years, but they didn't there was no expectation in 2017 either. They didn't have expectations to make the playoffs that year either. They thought it was going to be more like 2016. But then you had Aaron Judge having a great MVP year, hitting 52 home runs, and all that. And just having a great year under the radar year and making the playoffs, then you know, rolling down onto the ALCS against the Astros, being right there and just, just missing it. Just like. There was no expectations, and they made it that far. So you thought, you would think that after there was no expectations, there was no reason to believe that team would even come that close. They did, and then they fire their manager out of the blue, and they hire Aaron Boone, who has not done anything better with this team. He hasn't. He's made the LCS twice, 2019, not then this year, the other two years. Or what was it? I mean, 2018, 20, 2020, 2020, 2018, 2020, 2018, 2020, 2020, and 2021. Those other three years, losing to your rivals, those other three years. Because what, I think it was 20, I think 2018, they lost to the Red Sox and the ALDS. Right? Was it that? I can't remember now. I think so. But yeah, losing to the Red Sox that year. Then 2019, losing to the Astros again in the ALCS. Then 2020, losing to the Rays in the LDS. And then 2021, losing to the Red Sox in the wild card. This year, face another arch emesis. Not your division rival, but it's been a rival. There's a team that the Yankees have started to hate. Even I feel like, as a fan, I hate them even more than Red Sox. Especially, definitely more than the Rays. And... <laughs> Seeing the Red Sox win, I mean, it sucks too because seeing the Red Sox win two times since the Yankees last won a World Series, that sits that is such a hard pill to swallow, and it's it sucks. It's that's even more aggression. That's even more frustration that they won twice since we last made the World Series, and they lost twice to them in the playoffs. They lost to the Rays in the World Series, in this playoffs. And you lost to the Astros twice in the playoffs. And you lost. And you're down down 2-0 to the Astros in the playoffs. So it's every fucking year. That's so much aggression. That's going to be so much frustration. If they don't come out of New York with the lead, if they end up losing, if they end up getting swept, losing in five, then, you know, that that's not going to sit well. That's not going to sit. You, 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 cannot, you cannot do that. It's gonna because then you go next year, you know, you 
you go into the off season, I should say. You go into the off season with your greatest player, your best player, like the best player on the planet right now, and Aaron Judge, who just had a historic season and who had put up tremendous numbers, carried your offense on the back on on his back. He's he's a free agent. So that's even more that's you get frustrated that they lost the series again to the Astros and then then you have that to worry about too. Like is this is, are we sure he's not gonna leave? Are you gonna stay? So I have faith that he will stay. I think he will. But then at the same time, like if he doesn't resign right away, then it's gonna be um it's gonna be nerves nerve wracking. It's gonna be time to freak out a little bit, especially you know, as much as you would think he loves to stay, he would want definitely want to stay. If they end up losing this series and he just gets frustrated with this all this shit, losing the Astros so many times in a row, like, then I don't know. What do you want? What do you think about leaving? You don't know what's going through his head. You don't know if he wants to go to San Francisco, his home state. I mean, so um, that's a lot to think about there. Um, but it's, they have to win. They obviously have to, you can't think ahead. You have to win this one, this next game first. You have to, they have to. This is a must win. As much as Aaron Brood says, oh, we don't think about it, blah, blah, blah. You, there's no, no way. There, there's no way you can go down 3-0 playing in your own stadium with a threat to get swept by a team that's had your number over these, you have Garrett Cole on the mound. You need like, it's you need to score runs. Like that's it's just that simple. You need to score runs any way you can, home runs, whatever. If you got guys on base and you have just need to put the ball in play to score runs, do it. You got a guy on third with one out. I don't care what the score of the game is. If you need, you just need to scratch your way across, scratch scratch runs across. Guy at third with one out, and you got some, like, bottom of the order type of guy up. Just make contact. Hit the ball on the ground to second base and score the goddamn run. Even if it's 3 nothing, score and make it 3-1. If it's the fifth inning, then you still have time to come back. Just score runs, bro. Score runs. Back up your ace. Back up your ace like you did in game four of the AODS. He's gonna shove. His, he's gonna shove like he did then. I I can. I have faith in that. Astros haven't been hitting aside from the long ball. He might give up one home run, but that's gonna be it. He's gonna shove the rest of the way, and just score, baby. Just score. That's all you need to do. Is score some runs. Score at least four or five runs. Win the game five to one, five to two, and then go into game four with a little bit of momentum you know they have a guy in the mound also in Christian Javier that threw seven no-hit innings the last time ended up being a combined no-hitter but this is October baseball this is the Bronx this is Yankee Stadium this is the fucking zoo the fans are going to be wild you need to make them even wilder and pounce on this guy early someone needs to hit a home run and get the crowd really into it and then Garrett Cole go out and shove and then get add some more runs add some more runs and then don't let up do not let up whatever 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 you have to do to get runs on the board do it and then go make it a 2-1 series and have and then have Nasty Nest on the mound for game four and face the Lance McCullers who is you know Push, he's starting to being pushed back because of the you know crazy of a thing. This you know the celebration on after they beat the Mariners, he got the cork hit him in the elbow or whatever, and so you know uh, I hope we got some interesting chance going on from the from the from the fans, and we'll see. But you have to win one game first. You have to win this game with Garrett Cole on the mound. You cannot lose a game with your ace on the mound. You cannot. Yeah, they haven't this postseason yet. In this two starts, you have to do it again. You have to do it again.
there is no way you can go down this down in the series 3-0. If you do that, it's pretty much over. There hasn't been many teams that have come back from 3-0. I don't think, well, no, I don't think there's been any since the Red Sox in in the infamous 2004 series when the Yankees blew it with a 3-0 lead. But when you go down 3-0, there's not much of a chance for you to do it, to come back. So you have to take this game. You have to go one one game at a time. But you need you can't lose a game with your ace on the mound, at like I said at Yankee Stadium. <laughs> you just can't. You can't. No, you can't. I don't know why. I, I, how many times do I have to say this? You can't. It's a must win, man. Boom. You can't. You you seriously can't think of it any other way. When you're down two zero in the series, it's a must win. If it's the AODS, obviously it's definitely a must win because if you lose, you got done. But if you lose here, you're pretty much done too. If you lose this, then you got to win four straight or it's it. So anyway, now that I'm done ranting, um, I appreciate you listening. If you did listen to this whole thing, of me just ranting about a lot of different things and Let's see what happens here in in this game on on Saturday. Both the NLCS and the LCS. See if the in the LCS to see if the Phillies could get one step away from the World Series, go up three zero. I mean three one in the in the, in the LCS, and see if the Yankees could could make it make it more interesting, make it two one. Because if they don't, I can have a lot of faith that they're gonna become able to come back. So uh, let's see what happens. Um, and we'll talk again you know, a couple days probably or might do another one after the after the game. If I have to rant, I'm going to go back on. So, yeah, thanks for listening. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at AlexTBPK. Uh, I'll do, be doing some more podcasts soon. And be sure to check out my new website, The Baseball Prospect Kingdom. I'll be starting a lot of different things up with that, especially over the off-season and more time with doing prospect-type things and prospect lists, prospect profiles, and all that jazz. Um, yeah, be sure to check that out. And, as always, you can never have too much pod talk, baby.